Good morning. Welcome once again to the virtual worship service of the Bronx region of the New York City Church of Christ. We're glad you're able to join us this morning. And I pray that this lesson will be one that inspires, encourages you and helps you not just today, but later in life. You can reflect back on it and it will truly help you to stay closer and grow stronger in the Lord. The title of today's lesson is this an anchor for the soul. And this is what I really want to help us understand. How can we anchor ourselves in the midst of storms, trials, hard times? And so we're going to take a look in Acts chapter 27 because the Apostle Paul took a trip on a ship that ended up encountering a violent storm. And we'll see this very thing played out in the lives of not just Paul, but of the sailors that was there. So let's turn over to Acts chapter 27. We're going to begin reading in verse one. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Andromedea, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Sia, Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite Salmonia. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lacey. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cardia, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that we would run aground on the sandbars of Sitges, we lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven alone. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. This is an incredible story. 
They start to set sail. The winds pushed them in one direction. They couldn't go where they wanted. So then finally they got to the point where they thought, okay, now we can do it. So they went out to sea, and that's when an incredible storm came up. It shook the boat so much, they started to throw everything overboard to, to make the ship less uh, heavy. They threw things overboard. They threw the cargo. They threw the tackle. They threw all these things overboard in order to save their own lives. They were getting rid of everything. It was so cloudy, so dark, they couldn't even see stars out at night. Could you imagine being out on the ocean? This is a place when you're out in the ocean, you see all the stars. I mean, it's a beautiful thing at night, but not on a stormy night such as this. They couldn't see stars. They couldn't see the moon. They couldn't see anything. It was a dark, scary place to be. Now, I know many of us have been at a place similar to that. When things look lost, when things look dark, when things look scary, it looked as if we have no hope. There's no hope. God, just come take me. Just take me now. I've done all I could and I just feel like I'm done. Please. That's not an unusual feeling. There are people in the Bible, even the great prophet Elijah felt just like that. Let me share that with you. First Kings chapter 19, verse three. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. See, there are times that no matter how spiritual we may be, we may feel like, you know what? I've just had enough. I'm just tired. I've done so much. I just need a break. You know, people say, Jesus, take the will. They just want Jesus take me home because I'm just so tired. Those things happen. So if it's happening to you now or has happened, don't think you're not a true Christian or that's just something wrong with you. That's a part of life. We all go through storms in life. Now, again, Acts chapter 27. Let's look at verse 27. It says, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. So here they are. They're on this and they're there 14 nights of being battered and hammered in the storm. And all of a sudden, they start to hear the water smashing up against rocks. So they're thinking, wait a minute, we're getting close to land. The ship is going to crash against the rocks. So they start to lower their anchors. They put a weight on it and they drop the anchors down to test and see how shallow the water is. So the more shallow it is, it tells you you're getting closer to the land. So they started getting scared. They didn't know what to do. They were afraid. There's no more time left. It looks like we're about to crash. What do we do? You know, we can feel the same thing. There's no time left. I got bills to pay. I got the house to clean. I got to try, try to take care of my loved ones. It just feels like time's running out. How can I get all the stuff done that I need to get done right now? It's just so overwhelming. This is how those sailors felt. They felt like this is overwhelming. We threw everything off the ship and now we're about to crash on the land. What do we do? They just didn't feel like they could see light at the end of the tunnel. They couldn't see the sun. They couldn't see the stars. They couldn't see the moon. They couldn't see anything but hopelessness. You know, I think all of us knows exactly how that can be at times. 
whether we admit it or not, whether it's in our family, whether it's personal, financial, whatever it may be, there are times that things seem very dark and bleak. The sailors knew they were getting closer to the land. So they said, what do we need to do? Look again, Acts 27, verse 29. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In the midst of this storm, these sailors, professional sailors, they dropped four anchors and they just started praying for daylight. They didn't know what to do. Remember, this is dark. This is nighttime. They're dropping this. They can't see anything. They don't know how close they are to the land. So they said, let's drop four anchors and let's just pray. You know, many times this is exactly what we need to do. We need to put our anchors to help stabilize us. We need to put out anchors to help us. We know that we need anchors in the storms of life, but sometimes we don't even know exactly what our anchor should be. You know, society has cut anchors with God. In other words, people can't even tell right from wrong anymore. People that commit murders or getting off and people that are trying to protect their family or going to jail. I mean, it just seems like things are just upside down in this world today. But even in our lives, your life, my life, we can feel like, you know what? I've cut anchors in certain areas and now I'm drifting away. I've cut anchors in my time of reading God's word. It's not as consistent. I'm not as, as anchored in the word of God as I should be. And we're drifting. I've cut anchors in my fellowship. And so now my fellowship isn't as tight as it used to be. And we start drifting. See, this is where we need to come to grips with. We need to drop four anchors in our lives as well. And I want to go over these four types of anchors we can drop in order for us to have our anchor for our soul and to be what God wants us to be. The first anchor is this. We need to cast out an anchor of prayer. We need to cast out an anchor of prayer. Acts chapter 27, verse 29. Again, it says, Fearing that they will be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Here's some sailors and you know, you always hear cussing like a sailor, you know, and they don't believe in all, anything but the gods of the sea. Well, here they are. They are praying because they know things are bleak. You know, no matter how much a person says, I don't believe in God or I'm doing my own thing. When it looks like life's about to end, oh, people do their best to try to find God there, don't they? They'll start praying. They'll do whatever. And this is where these sailors were. They felt like this is the end. They broke down. They started praying. Guys, this is what we need to do. When we feel like life is getting out of hand, life is crazy. I'm in this dark place. I don't know what's going on. We need to drop to our knees and put down an anchor of prayer to our God in heaven. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of prayer where God just rescue me. God just help me. God make things beautiful. No, 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 no. Not no little sappy, sloppy prayers. We need to have the kind of prayers that get you knocking on the doors of heaven. The kind of prayers that God says, I am listening to you. The kind of prayers that you get on your knees, that you have people with you helping you getting on your knees, asking specifics to God. If you're having health issues, you need to talk about those health issues. We need to drop an anchor of prayer. 
Now, here's how we do that, because we say, well, I pray every day. You may pray every day, but see, there's a difference of just praying and then really having an anchor in prayer. So when you want to drop that anchor of prayer, what should you do? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to start out by repentance. In our prayers, we need to repent to God. In other words, we need to confess those sins. We need to talk about those things. We need to clear our conscience. Why? Because once your conscience is clear, then you can have an incredible conversation with God. But if you're trying to pray, but yet you know you got attitudes, you got issues with people, you frustrated about something, you frustrated with someone, how can you have an open door to the ears of God, to the gates of heaven, if you got so much tension and frustration going on? Now, a lot of times we live in this world where we say, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, I really don't. But yet we really do. We, we want to think we don't. But sometimes your attitudes, your unresolved issues hinder your prayers. You have issues in your marriage. Your prayers will be hindered. You have issues with your kids. Your prayers will be hindered. This is why we talk so much about reconciling, having uh, uh, relationships that are mended, no tension in them. You need to make sure you are at peace with the people that are in your life because it will hinder your prayers. It is so important. We need to be specific in our prayers, not just repentance. That's true. But we also need to be specific in our prayers. What I mean is this. If you're having financial issues, we need to pray specifically about the finances. Not God, let me win the lotto. God, help me get some money somehow. Make a magical check come in the mail. No, 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 no. We need to start praying. Okay, God, what am I doing or not doing? What do I need to change in my discipline? What needs to be different in my finances? Who do I need to talk to to get help? See, sometimes we just pray to God and we want God to give it to us. Maybe what we need is praying to God so he can direct us to the people that can help us change and be what we need to be. It is so important that we start out with having an anchor of prayer. You have to have an anchor of prayer life that is connected to God. We can't live spiritually on the 30 seconds, the two minute prayers on the way to the car, to the bus, in the shower. I'm not saying that's wrong. But that can't be your nutritional prayer connection to God. That's not going to help you live uh, 30 seconds a day, 60 seconds a day. That's not going to be what connects you and keeps you stable with God. An anchored prayer life. Now, you may only be able to pray five minutes. Well, pray five minutes five times a day. You see, it's not just let me get this one little bullet prayer and I'm done. We need to have some solid time and prayer with God. Now, let me remind you, our prayer time is a conversation with God. It's not a, just a request. It's not like you go to the grocery store. Here's my checklist, my prayer list, like my grocery list. It's a conversation with God. And sometimes you may need to just sit down, put an empty chair in front of you and have a conversation. You visualize you right there and Jesus is next to you. Sometimes you may need to go in your closet, go in your bedroom, close the door, go in the bathroom, wherever you need to be, go there. But you need to go someplace 
and have a good, solid time of prayer. You say, my house is so crowded, I can't get away from anybody. You know what? Get a chair and just look out the window and you pray in your head. You don't always have to use words when you pray. You can pray in your head. Just focus outdoors. Something. Bottom line, what I'm saying to you here, you just have to make sure you have an anchored prayer life. That's the first thing. Now, the second anchor I want to talk about for us today is this. We need to throw out an anchor in God's word. Our second anchor needs to be in the word of God. That has to be something that we do. You know, the only thing we can be sure of in this world is God's word. That is one thing that will not change, that will not let us down. God's word. People change. People let us down. People hurt us, disappoint us. True. It happens. No matter how good we want to be, it will happen. But here's a fact. God's word will never change. It will never let you down. God's word will never disappoint you. You know, the song lyrics that says on Christ, a solid rock, I stand all other ground is sinking sand. That's so true. On Christ, we can have a solid foundation. Everything else is kind of shaky. It's shifty. It's just not clear. When the storms of life smash you up against the rocks, when they're throwing you around and things look scary and out of place, we need to throw out the word of God. Well, what do I mean by that? It's very simple. We need to find scripture that pertains to our situation. And then we need to listen to what God is saying because God will deliver you. Let me show you what I mean. Psalms 91. Let's look in verse 14 and 15. Psalms 91. It says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him and show him my salvation. What did those words just say right there? See, if we're scared, if we're unsure about something, God just said to us here, I will rescue him. I will protect him. I will acknowledge him. God is saying, listen, if you trust in me, you rest in me, I got you. I'll protect you. I'll, I'll make sure you're taken care of. This is the, the man, the God that created the universe. He can handle one person in this massive universe that he corrected and, and created. He can do this, guys. But we have to understand. I have to throw my anchor in the God's word. Let me look and find a scripture that relates to my situation. Let me find a story that relates to my situation. This is how I can trust and build my faith in God. This is exactly what Paul did. Paul knew he had the scriptures with him and he knew what God said about him. So look at Paul's faith because he knew the scriptures that God had. Acts 27 verse 22. It says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. 
See, to Paul, God, his word was absolute. God said it. He had no doubt, no fear. And this is incredible because Paul had this vision and he's now on this ship that's about to crash. You don't know where it is. I mean, there's storms, there's darkness, but he's the only one that's calm, cool and collective because he trusted so much. Wait a minute. If this is what God said is going to happen, that I got to go stand trial before Caesar. That means I'm going to be good. I'm not dying on this ship. Not only am I not dying, but none of you guys are going to die. He was so confident because he was so connected to the scriptures that God said. He believed the angel of God so much that that storm did not phase him. He, you know what? I may be hurt a little bit. He didn't say I was going to be totally healthy when I have to go before Caesar, but I'm going to be healthy enough to present myself. So even if I get banged up a little bit, I'm going to live through this thing and I'm going to be fine. Not just me. But every single one of you guys are still going to be alive. And they're sitting over there freaking out. They're scared. They don't know what's going on. But Paul, calm and cool. You can just see he just had it on his face, a sense of peace. And that's what happens when you are anchored in the word of God. See, some people could be anchored in their religious feelings, religious stories and experiences. Well, those don't really last when the heat's on. Because when you're in the heat of battle, you don't remember all the victory experiences you had when you were a year old as a Christian. No, you start to freak out. But if you are anchored in God's word and you know, you know what? God has this under control because I trust God because he said it. Then even though it may be storms, you can be at peace. God's word is absolute. Read it. Find the promises that God says. That will help you in your situation. Most of our Bibles should be worn out because we're looking through them. We're flipping through them. We're, you know, mm, mm, look at this highlighting stuff. It should be all kind of colors or a, a Bible journal. That's the way our Bible should be being worn out from being used so much. We shouldn't have those big Bibles that are just sitting there collecting dust. You know, growing up, we had even a Bible that would sit there. I mean, one of those big Bibles that looked like the tablets from the Ten Commandments. I mean, we had Bibles that if anybody came to the house, they were going to see this Bible. It looked like a piece of furniture. It was so big. But that doesn't mean it's being used. We got to make sure we are using the word of God. You say, well, I, I read the Bible on my phone. Well, then you need to have a whole bunch of fingerprints on that phone swiping and reading through. We got to make sure we're in God's word, anchored in it, not glancing at it, anchored in God's word. So first, we have to be anchored in prayer. Secondly, anchored in God's word. And then thirdly, we need to be anchored in fellowship, anchored in fellowship. See, when you're in the storms of life, we need to ask Christians to come help us. We need to not be so proud that we don't ask people to help us. We need to be anchored in fellowship. James 5 verse 14. It says, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Guys, we do have elders in the church. We have full-time evangelists, women's ministry leaders. We got a lot of people, but not just them. We just got Regular, normal, everyday Christian brothers and sisters who are so spiritually strong. 
It doesn't have to be an elder or an evangelist. We have strong, faithful brothers and sisters that's been around for a long time and a short time that we can live off of their faith and their fellowship. My point is this. We just need to reach out to people. We got almost 3,000 people in this church. We have so many people we can be in fellowship with if we decide to. James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, when confronted with the storms of life, with any sin or addiction, whatever it may be, we need to confess these things. We need to talk about these things. We need to bring people in to help us. It is so encouraging when we have somebody fighting the good fight with us. Acts chapter 27, verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need to eat it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair on his head, from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Look at Paul. Here they are. The ship is, they threw everything overboard, the, the, all their goods, all their tackle, uh, they drop anchors, the ship, they hear rocks coming. I mean, it just looks like it's doom and gloom. But Paul says, you're not going to be hurt. Not a single hair on your head will be hurt. You've not eaten in 14 days. You know what? Let's break bread together. They had fellowship. And you know what? Because they had that fellowship, what did it say? It said, uh, again, in Acts 27, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. That fellowship that they had, that anchor of fellowship encouraged them. Even in this dark night that looked lost, all of a sudden, now they have encouragement. Now they're built up. Guys, we underestimate the power of fellowship. I know we're experiencing now that, you know, we're in this COVID stage and we can't see each other all the time. And so there is, there is some loneliness in all of us. I mean, I miss so many people. Particolo, I mean, I don't get to hear everything that I normally would hear if we were preaching live and just seeing faces and hugging people. I do. I miss that. And I'm not a very emotional person, but I get a little emotional now after being at home. Okay, that's a whole other story. Bottom line, we need each other in our fellowship. This is what we need. And guys, we have got to be creative. We still got to figure out ways to stay connected. We can still be anchored in fellowship. Here's the thing. When there's something that you really want, you figure out a way to make it happen. All of us do it. If there's something we really want, we may not have a lot of money, but if we want this new purse, new shoes, new dress, new jacket, we're going to find a way to make it happen. It's the same way when it comes to our fellowship. We got to find a way to make the fellowship happen. And that's what we need to do. We need to be anchored in prayer. We need to be anchored in God's word. We need to be anchored in the fellowship. Now, here's the fourth point I want to make for us today. We not only need to be anchored in those things, but we also need to be anchored in accepting the will of God in the situation. We need to be anchored in accepting 
the will of God in the situation. Let's look again. Acts chapter 27, verse 22. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. He says, listen, nothing's going to happen to you. Only the ship is going to be destroyed. And look at verse 26. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Now, if you're in a storm and you feel like you're about to lose everything, don't panic. Your life, your future is in God's hands. You say, wait a minute, that's hard to do at the time. I know it is. I'm not saying that you just, boom, you instantly get to be like that. No, it's hard to do. But honestly, it happens so many times in our lives that we hit those points. We should be getting better and better at becoming more like Jesus. Again, not perfection, but progress. We've all hit so many hard times. We need to be able to get through them a lot quicker and a lot more spiritually than we did the first time. Sometimes when we hit these storms, we may lose a job. We may uh, lose a relationship. We may lose a loved one. We don't need to panic. We need to just, okay, what do I need to learn from this? What is God's final destination for me? We have to understand this. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. He says, listen, you were bought at a price. You're not alone. God cares for you. You belong to God. Every single person, Christian, non-Christian, belongs to God. But if you have made a decision to make Jesus Lord, he's saying, look, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to make sure you are what you need to be. And I'm going to give you the resources to get there. See, if we have this understanding, we're not alone in these storms. Romans 8:28 takes a whole nother approach in our lives. Look at Romans 8:28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Again, why? We need to submit to accept the will of God. Now, here's something I want to make sure we understand. I want to point this out to us here. Sometimes our character being built is more important to God than us losing some possessions. Now, I'm going to say that again, because sometimes we don't get everything I'm saying. So if you're looking out the window or doing something else, let's focus here for a minute on this video. Sometimes your character being built is more important to God than whatever goods or possessions you may lose. If it calls for you to lose a possession so you grow to be a better character Christian, God will let that happen. That's God's will. See, we can't just say a prayer and expect because I prayed it, God's just going to get me out of the situation. I'm just going to be happy and move on. Sometimes God allows things to happen so your character can change. Now, here's the thing. Too many times we don't look at our character as a change. We don't think about our character. We just want our situation to change. But God says, I don't want just your situation to change. I want your character to to change. I want you to be transformed into the likeness of my son, Jesus. That's a big difference. 
And so I want to encourage you to start thinking more about your character than just your situation that you're in. Acts 27, look at verse 38. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at that same time tied the ropes that held the, the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship stuck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out this plan. He ordered that they could swim, those who could swim, to jump overboard first and get to the land. The rest were to get on planks or pieces of the ship in the same way everyone reached land safely. You know, here they are about to land and they're thinking, my job is at stake here. Let's just kill everybody. But God says, you know, he changed the heart of this guy and says, listen, no, 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 no. Paul needs to make it to where he needs to go. So, you know what? Because of sparing Paul, everybody got spared. The whole plan changed. So then those that could swim jumped off, swam ashore. Those that couldn't swim jumped off and landed on some pieces of board or planks, whatever it was. And then they just paddled their way to shore. Bottom line, it was God's will that they landed on some island, that they crashed on some island. They put their trust in God. God did spare all their lives, but they still had to crash on some island. And even though God spared that, Satan still tried to get Paul, still tried to stop this. Even though it was a victory of everybody surviving, Satan still came after them. Look in Acts 28 verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was rainy and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself to his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off in the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Isn't this incredible? They get to the island. Paul starts to help make firewood. A snake bites him on the hand. Everybody's looking like, oh, he's a gunner. Paul looks at the snake. Just shook it off. Goes on about his business. He did one of the moves. Just shook it off and kept going. So now everybody's sitting around looking like, why isn't he dying yet? Why isn't he swelling up? What's going on with this guy? And then they think, well, he must be a God. Paul's like, whoa, 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 don't call me a God. He immediately gives glory to God because he doesn't want anybody thinking he's a God or worship me. He says, no, 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 no. this isn't about me. This is about God. Even though they survive the ship, they get to shore, Satan still comes after them. Guys, when that happened, Paul still gave glory to God. This is where we often get tested. 
we get through something, we get through a situation, and then we feel like, oh, I'm at ease now. Let me just go on. Then we go back to the way we were. No, 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 no. That's not how Paul was. Paul's character was changed by this ship uh, excursion that they had. He became a different person. He trusted even more in God because of this situation. And that's what we need to learn. When we go through these dark days, when we come out on the other side, we need to trust more in God. We need to give more glory to God because it is God that has taken us through this. Listen, there's four anchors we need for our soul. The first one is an anchor of prayer. I want to encourage you, start today. Pray today. Pray with your family. Pray by yourself. Pray with somebody on the phone. We need to pray together. It is so important that we conduct ourselves in a way that we're anchored in prayer. Not only that, we need to be anchored in God's word. We need to know God's word. We need to start memorizing scriptures. We need to have scriptures on our mind. We need to have songs that we can sing that bring us back spiritually. We have got to make sure we are anchored in the word of God. Finding different scriptures that meet our situation and see how God works in those scriptures. Not only that, but we need to be anchored in fellowship. We need to talk to people. We need to ask people, hey, can you fast with me about this situation? Hey, not only pray, fast, help me, sing with me, whatever. We got to do these things together. Fellowship is so needed, guys. And then not only that, we have to be willing to accept the will of God in the situation. Again, God may not be trying to just get you out and make sure you're okay. He may let you go through it so your character changes, so you can be a different person. Either way, we have these anchors for our soul. I want to encourage you to use these anchors. Drop these anchors. Don't wait for another storm to come. Drop them now. It may be snowing outside. It may be crazy right now. I don't even know what the weather's going to be like by the time this video shows. But this I do know. Storms are coming. Storms of life are coming. Anchor yourself in prayer, in the word of God, in fellowship, and in resolving to accept the will of God. Thank you for joining us today. I love you, and to God be the glory.